0: There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Minor. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action today. This week is Lisa Glenn, the executive director of the Cahoots Foundation. Welcome, Lisa. Thank
1: you. Appreciate
0: it. And happy Valentine's Day, both of you. Valentine's (laughs) Day edition of Figure It Out. (laughs) Centauri, do you know what the origins of Valentine's Day are? I actually
2: do not know, but I do know it's Arizona's birthday
1: it is Arizona's birthday. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's going to be an awesome article uh, by Cahoots about Arizona's birthday today, actually. So be on the lookout. Nice. it.
0: Got it. Well, obviously, like every other holiday, its origins are from a very, very long time ago. But in the 18th century in England is really when people began giving flowers and confection. So chocolates and candies and, and notes and things like that. Whoa. And now, in the modern equivalency, it's a
2: great bar night if you're a single person. Or a great place, for a great time to be a florist. Jesus Christ! Or a great time yeah. to sell roses. For sure. I'm
1: guessing the Netflix viewership just like skyrockets on Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah,
0: night, that's awesome. Know? Yeah, romantic comedies through the yeah. roof. Anyway, so uh, we were here last Friday night for the kickoff of Youth Startup Weekend and had an awesome time talking to a handful of people, including it's yourself. Fun. Yeah. And that show actually went live today. Um, so. Anyway, we wanted to just find out how everything went.
1: Yeah, we had an excellent event. So we ended up um, with nine student ventures. Um, The winning venture is a group called Kilo Automotive, and their concept was that, um, you know, when you're a motorcyclist and you're driving along the road, you need to check your blind spot, but physically turning to check your blind spot can cause you to be unsteady. So, actually, a lot of accidents are caused because a motorcyclist checks their blind spot and they tip, or they don't check their blind spot and there's something there. And so, the concept was that they were going to create a sensor that would sit on the motorcycle body itself that would check the blind spot for the motorcyclist. Um, they gave a phenomenal pitch, it's really compelling. Um, we also had a number of other incredibly compelling concepts. So, one group lets AI. Um, had the concept of creating an AI system for public defenders. So a common issue um, mm-hmm. for public defenders is that they have a caseload that's just insane. And um, in many cases, if the public defender really you know, doesn't have a lot of time and, and is not 100% committed to making sure they do, do due diligence on every case, they'll encourage small crimes to plead guilty, like a misdemeanor, where it's really not going to hurt the person that much, Um, And it'll help them to get through their case file. So the concept was that you could load your case file into this system. It would scan the case file and then send you precedent that you could use to argue the case to help the defender um, decrease their time. And that team actually spent a lot of time on the phone with public defenders. They were lucky enough to have a mentor who knew a number of public defenders, so they just got on the phone and interviewed people all weekend.
2: That is so Um, cool. Yeah, I mean, we had amazing,
1: amazing student ventures, and their pitches this year were just blew the previous years out of the water. It was just a really phenomenal year. Um, And on top of that, we probably had our best um, engagement in terms of our foundation goals. So we had 54% of students who identify as historically excluded groups, We had um, 40% female students, which is phenomenal. You say start a business, and unfortunately, we don't get a whole lot of girls who want to show up, and so that was very exciting. And we had 70% of our students who were members of low-income communities. So it was an amazing group. On top of that, we even had five kids flying from Toronto uh, to participate. So it was an amazing event. Yeah.
0: How did they even know about it?
1: Uh, Eventbrite and Techstars are part of the Techstars program and so they happened to see it they had been scouring for a youth startup weekend because they'd like to start a similar event in Toronto so they came down special just for this and also for our weather yeah it's no kind
2: of sex but right that yeah is what is the uh, just to um, remind the audience what is the age range for uh students it's, that are involved it's
1: high school so um that's typically 14 to 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's kids who may or may not have had any business classes ever, who may have never considered starting their own business, um, and in the course of three days, they come in, they come up with ideas, they choose the best ideas and form teams, then they spend the three-day weekend you know, really creating everything for the, for the business. So they make a business plan, they go through the business model canvas, value proposition canvas... Um, They create a logo and Brand X Custom Shirts was kind enough to make custom logo t-shirts for them to wear for their presentation. That's cool. Um, And then they do a pitch to actual entrepreneurs. So this year we had um, Fad West of Isos Technologies, Amy Armstrong from Support My Club and her new venture Kit Up and Go, Um, Brad Janenga from SaaS Industries, uh, Shannon Scutari who sits on our board. And um, Dean Heckler, who is of Heckler Design, um, and Dean donated a lot of the materials for our prizes. So they, I mean, they had a great group of sharks, and our sharks were, I mean, they were sharks. They asked some tough questions, and the students knew the answers. It was really phenomenal. Nice.
0: Sharks is in reference to a TV show that's popular called Shark Tank. Second time this is happening. Yeah, I understood. (laughs) (laughs) So okay, so let's just use raw numbers and say that there were fifty kids. So you, you you boil it down to the top how many you said so the, the
1: top uh, 10 ideas typically this year is nine. Okay. And so then they form teams around they those. Do that? Um, so they do a rapid pitch the first night. So when you come in the first night, I mean I don't know if you remember high school, but speaking in public is not anybody's favorite thing in high school right. Um, and so we actually do an event to try to get them um, comfortable with speaking in public. So we'll just ask them to yell out ideas. And we'll have two volunteers who write down the ideas. So uh, it might be cactus or fidget spinner or Valentine's Day. And they'll write those down. And then each team comes up and they choose two of the random words. So cactus day, right? And they have to create a company around that, right? So this is what our company does. This is the problem we solve and this is how we solve it. And then they give that as a brief pitch just to get them in practice of pitching. Okay. Um, After they've done that, we give students a chance to think about, do you have any ideas that you have had that you'd like to pitch as a business idea? They do their pitch. Um, This year, over half of them actually gave an idea pitch, which is a pretty big deal for high schoolers. And then each student gets five stickers. They get to vote um, on the ideas, so they can vote all five in one place or one in five places, and then the top voted ideas are the ones that get chosen for the weekend.
0: Got it. And then. Mm remainder of the students just filter to those teams.
1: Yeah so then we have a chance for students to talk to who might be interested in joining their team and and they have to say what they would need on their team, right? So I need coders, I need uh, a marketing person, I need a graphics person, and then the students sort of self-select based on their own skill sets.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, Very cool. Awesome. Well, congratulations on a great event.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. We were really thrilled. We had a ton of support from the community um, and we're just thankful for an incredible startup community that wants to support students.
2: So Lisa, Youth Startup Weekend is just one piece of what the CAHOOTS Foundation does. Can you give us a little bit about the impetus of, you know, why the CAHOOTS Foundation was started and then kind of the big overarching goals of the organization?
1: Absolutely. So the CAHOOTS Foundation was founded by Jenny Poon and Odine Domingo and you guys probably know them as the founders of Kahoots. Um, so Cahoots is a co-working space, um, and we also run a foundation arm. Um, and so when Jenny and Odin were getting started, you know, they, they noticed their, um, their opportunities were different than typical white entrepreneurs who were middle class and from Phoenix, right? There are a number of advantages you get when you are um, white middle class from Phoenix, right? Um, and so they started to think about you know what that meant. And, and really it meant that they would not be as successful, at least initially, right, as their peers. And they thought, gosh, you know if, if that's happening to us and we have decent connections and we know what we're doing, um, what does this look like for members of underrepresented communities and historically excluded groups? And so they created the foundation in order to, reduce that um that burden on underrepresented entrepreneurs and so we focus on as i said underrepresented entrepreneurs yeah absolutely
0: i don't doubt that that's a true statement and certainly from jenny and Odine's experience that's that's their that's what their experience was but what do they point to as the reasons why they would not be as successful as white people that went to school here
1: sure so i mean even if you just think about, um, you know, the experience of coming into a networking session, right? Um, I was just in a speech there in a talk where the presenter was um, a Thunderbird grad, right? And somebody immediately came up to them and was like, oh, I'm a Thunderbird grad too, right? And there's that in- immediate kinship that happens. Like, oh, we're the same. We, we do the same things. We know the same things. We mean the same things. Mm-hmm. And so that person is more inclined just naturally, to be supportive and helpful because of a shared connection. Okay, um, so, so it's
0: the affinities. Yeah, it's we, affinity. We both went to Brophy North High, mm-hmm. we both went to... Absolutely. Right, right. I mean, a Centauri, area. when
1: you hear people say, oh, I'm a North High School graduate, you're like, oh my gosh, awesome. Yeah. Like, let's right, talk right, about right. our teachers. Right. Um, and so in, in many ways, that affinity is incredibly positive on the one hand and can have unintended mm-hmm. consequences on the other hand. Um, so, we really work to support three groups of entrepreneurs, and that's youth, women, and um, people of color. And so, you know, CAHOOTS is a space that's open for all people um, to start a business, whether uh, regardless of their socioeconomic experience, their race, their background, their gender. Um, but the foundation really provides that extra set of supports for those who may, who may need it. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. So you mentioned that um, you mentioned that the fact that you did have 40% women, and I think that you said that there were a couple other things that you were able to successfully do with Startup Weekend here. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you already told us what the breakdown of people of color was. I don't mm-hmm.
1: remember. 54%. Okay. And then 40% female and 70% low-income communities. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that, that's what you're trying for, and how close were you with – the startup weekend?
1: Absolutely. So our goal for girls was 35%. So we exceeded that. And in the past, we've gotten to about 30%. We obviously, we want it to be 50%, Mm -hmm. right? Um, so we're partnering with girls rule foundation in order to do some programming for girls that might help, um, Mm -hmm. girls who could be interested in entrepreneurship, but might not self select to do those things to step forward and say like, yeah, absolutely. This is something I would like. Um, we uh, aim to have 50% of our students come from minority backgrounds, and we absolutely hit that mark. Um, and typically, our, our ticket sales are about 50-50 um, low-income communities and, and middle or high-income communities, so we exceeded that as well. Um, we don't always you know, set very firm goals around that, but we worked this year with Phoenix Union High School District, South Point High. Um, Phoenix Collegiate Academies, System Schools, a bunch of groups to make sure that we offered scholarships so that their students who might not otherwise choose to attend based on cost could attend. Um, And we were incredibly fortunate that at our September event, the Lip Sync Battle, um, we raised a ton of money for scholarships at that time, so we were able to offer additional scholarships. Um, George, you should know that at that event, Centauri um, was Olivia Newton-John's character in Greece,
2: and it was amazing.
0: I couldn't be happier that <laughs> you that you brought that up.
1: Yes, and if you if you want video, I can absolutely oh provide video. I'd love for it to go on a website somewhere, maybe on the Facebook page.
0: Because we we're, we're not recording this, you can't see me wondering the look on my face of, of just curiosity if that's something I actually want
2: to see or not. So I'll circle people loved it.
1: People loved it. Mm. It was a great mm-hmm. event. Centauri right, was well, a good sport, which is all that it really boils down
0: to. You know, what, what I've discovered in things like that is you have to take like you mean it. So don't go up there. Exactly. Yeah, you just got to own it. You oh. just got to oh. own it. <laughs> yeah.
1: And Ed, he did. Okay. Awesome.
0: Well, very cool. Um, I, I saw on your website, you have four different focus areas. Mm-hmm. So love to talk a little bit about that. Um, maybe sure. with We talked about you startup weekend, obviously, mm-hmm. which is one of those. Um, so.
1: We have our um, weekly lecture series, Midweek Mind Tweaks. Um, that is a lecture series that's open to the public. Today we had Jesse Randall come in and talk a little bit about cold emailing um, and give us some amazing tools to help entrepreneurs figure out how to cold email in a way that isn't weird and salesy. Um, those lecture series are aimed at providing access to entrepreneurial skills to folks who you know, might not otherwise have a great network and be able to just call a buddy and ask. Um, and then also to have conversations about access and equity in the Phoenix startup communities. Um, so those are every week, they're free, open to the public at 12:30 on Wednesdays. Um, we're looking to expand those this year into some other communities and other times so that it increases the number of people who might be able to show up. Um, we also have pro bono advisement days. Um, our community advisement day partners are. Ballard Spar, BBVA, and GoDaddy, and they will provide a thirty-minute one-on-one coaching session with entrepreneurs for free. Um, so if you're somebody who you know needs to know what you should do because you're pretty sure somebody just stole your logo, or um, you know you just got a cease and desist order, you don't know what to do about it. Um, those are times that you can come and ask questions, um, and those are monthly. And then we, um, we have in the past had co-exchanges, which are a chance to explore another um, community in the world. We don't have a current co-exchange. That is one of our programs. Um, we also have the PERCH Health Tech program. So that's um, currently being run by one of our board members, Lucas Felt, and it's conversations around the state of health tech in Arizona. It's particularly timely for us as we're working on that biomedical corridor. Um, There's an event coming up for that on February 21st. And then Centauri is working with a group on the board that is going to be um, creating some conversations in Phoenix about the face of entrepreneurship and what it currently looks like, if it is as equitable as we want it to be. Um, If not, what do we do about that? and bringing different groups into that conversation. Um, so we're actually looking at a partnership with Empowered Phoenix to talk about women in the workforce um, and we're, per- we're very excited about that as well.
0: And Centauri's in
2: charge?
1: I mean, absolutely Centauri. It's, George it's looks dubious, yes. but it's, <laughs> Centauri's gonna get it done. <laughs> get
2: it done. Lisa, Excellent. can you talk a little bit about, one of the things that I love about Kohut's uh, foundation is this idea of tapping talent early. Can you talk a little bit about why that is, um, why youth is such a a big pillar?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I look back on my experience, um, the things that I got involved in in high school were more or less the things my parents had been involved in. Um, So I was in choir, I was in theater, I was a nerdy kid in the honors classes. And that's more or less like if you asked to look at my parents, that would be what they would have chosen as well. Um, minus the Dungeons and Dragons that I'm sure my dad would have been excited about. Um, and so, you know, those were the things that I explored. That's what I did through college and early adulthood. And when I look back and I, I think about it, I, I imagine if I had been exposed to things like a youth startup weekend, I, I have a very entrepreneurial mindset. I would be shocked if I hadn't ended up going toward entrepreneurship instead of the direction that I chose in life um, you know, instead of humanities, which is what both my parents did, in education, which is what both of them did, I might have gone more toward business. Um, and so, you know, we really believe that getting students involved early will bring them into the entrepreneurship fold, but also that an entrepreneurial mindset is useful to anyone. Um, there's not a career area in which an entrepreneurial mindset would not benefit you, you know. Being creative, thinking critically, um, being resourceful and um, tenacious, all of those things are incredibly useful mindsets. And so, you know, we really believe that by getting students involved early, we'll provide them with those skills. You know, the other side of that um, is that when you create an education system where you're looking at uh, and you're being very intentional about pulling the right mindsets in and, and pulling the right students in, you by default create a workforce that's different than the one we currently have. Mm-hmm. And you, you create mm-hmm. a citizenry that's different than the one we currently have. So we believe that by tapping talent early, by choosing um, to spend our time and our resources on student entrepreneurship, that we will in turn be you know, making sure that the businesses in Phoenix have the right talent that they need long term and that our Phoenix community has the right community members and partners that it needs long-term.
0: Wonderful. So you said different than it currently is. What does that mean? <laughs> uh,
1: you know, George, I, I will make no value judgments on how we currently are uh, on a citizenship or education scale. I, I was a teacher, um, and I was a teacher in Phoenix, and I am a huge supporter of education in Phoenix. I think any teacher would tell you that they work to the bone that they do their very best, and that at the end of the day, the resources they're provided with don't set them up for success, Um, them or their students, Mm -hmm. right? Um, There is a lot that goes into supporting students well. And so, you know, your average student may come out of the education system not fully engaged, um, and, and maybe not engaged at all, right? And so we want to Make opportunities for students so that they can spend their time in a way that's exciting, engaging, and also um, really giving them new tools to exercise.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, it is. Uh, we've had the benefit of having a lot of folks on the on the show talking about education, education in Arizona specifically, and uh, it is it is very dynamic.
1: So. It is, and you know. I always say as an education advocate in Arizona, you know, there, there's only one way to go from here, and that's up. And in a lot of ways, that's a beautiful thing. We get to create what we want. We get to all work together and say, this is what is currently here. Do we like it or not? Okay, then, what do we do about it? Um, and that's part of the exciting um, nature of this job is that we get to create something that introduces students to a new set of skills they never knew they had.
2: Yeah. Have you seen um, anyone doing this this work, especially with uh, with youth, anywhere nationally?
1: Sure. So, I mean, there are a number of programs that engage students in entrepreneurship. SeedSpot has a um, classroom program, and they're working on an after school program. Um, and we work to support them, and vice versa, so that there are a number of opportunities. You know, when I was in the classroom, I would offer an after school option to some students and, and they had to babysit a brother or sister, they couldn't participate. So by having a classroom option, an after school option, and then our weekend option, um, it, it allows any student of any Makes it variety. More accessible. That's really cool. um, there's also Yay um, Y E A, Y-E-A, which does um, youth entrepreneurship programs in schools. Um, so there are a number of organizations that are doing entrepreneurship. Um, and we, you know, we work with a number of those to make sure that they're supported. Rising Tycoons is another great example.
0: Nice. <clears throat> I, was at, I was trying to recall the, the name of the person that we just recently had on the podcast. It was Julia Meyerson. Do you know Julia from Vista College Prep? And that's, that is essentially elementary school, right? Yeah. And they're doing incredible work in a low income, and in very low income, in South Phoenix and in, uh, and in Maryvale. And I think they are the only A-rated school in in those areas, and it's a charter school, and so it's always it, I'm always fascinated by hearing about how some schools are struggling, and it's because they don't have resources, but then other schools mm-hmm. have the same non-resources, but they're they're being successful. So it's always a tricky thing to try to balance out why that is. And
1: Absolutely, and you know I think there there's just that sort of. Uh, je ne sais quoi, right? There, there is something about certain groups of staff. There's mm-hmm. something about certain groups of teachers, certain groups of parents, right? Um, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that charter schools, you know, it's students who opt in, right? So they don't get the same clientele as public schools. I think, you know, in many cases, that's a benefit. In many cases, that's a drawback for both groups. Um, it, education is not simple, there's no silver bullet no doubt. that isn't, you know, a formula where you can say, if you do this, then this will happen. Um, and, you know, I think uh, we're really lucky to be at a point in our state's history where we're really ready to have that conversation um, and, and talk about the many ways we should support schools and not just they need more resources, right? They do need more resources. If, if Governor Ducey is listening, you, they need more resources. <laughs> Let me be very clear, but, um, that's not the only thing that is right. necessary.
0: Centauri and I just had a, we are, are aspiring to do more, more shows with just he and I talking about different issues. And The reason that we started this podcast was to have what I would call tough conversations about important issues. And we just recorded one on, on white privilege and then, um, on the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. And I told my wife that Centauri and I sat down and talked about Me Too, and she said, well, maybe you should consider having a woman on the show to talk about that. Was like, that's, that's preposterous. <laughs> I was like, why would what they have a, would a woman? Where would they... Struggling to see the value in that. You
1: know, your wife sounds lovely.
0: Right? I mean, she's, she's, she's very smart. She's smart in some areas, but that's my wife calls into question that whole thing. So anyway, it's... And I I just... I, I want to talk to both mm-hmm. you guys about this. You talked about how... Looking at the face of entrepreneurship in Phoenix, and this is something you're going to be heading up. You're going to look at that and say, "Okay, is this equitable?" Sure. So I don't know what that. Tell Tell me what that means. Probably. Yeah,
1: I can I can sort of take a stab, and then Centauri feel free to jump yeah. in. Um, you know, when we look at entrepreneurship in pretty much any of our co-working incubator um, small business spaces, the average participant in those spaces is a 35 to 40 year old white programmer. Um, that's just who is here, right? And that's who gets into startups. And there are a number of reasons for that, right? Um, you know, you see the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, right? He, he had the luxury of being at a particularly prestigious institution, being supported so he wasn't working two jobs during college, um, and having the right connections to call. Um, he also had had experience practicing programming as a young man, Right? Not everyone has those sets of experience. Um, it does just naturally provide an advantage to that particular group. Does that mean that every um, 35 to 40-year-old white programmer is going to be wildly successful in business? No. Does it mean that um, your average uh, 20 to 35-year-old um, African-American female is not going to be successful? No. However, um, you know, that is just who exists. In the space, more or less. Um, And in Phoenix, particularly, uh, you know, I can say this as so disclaimer I am from the South, um, (laughs) the Deep South, South Birmingham. Oh, okay. Um, And I was shocked when I moved to Phoenix that it is as monoculture as it is. Um, You know, we are by and large a couple of large groups and not a lot of other folks. Um, and so that is, you know, that amplifies the state of entrepreneurship and equity um, for us. And so, you know, I think it's, it's just time for a conversation about how do we make sure more people actually get to walk through the door and be an entrepreneur? Um, you know, the average single mom who has a great business idea does not get to quit her job and Mm -hmm. pursue her great business idea. She just doesn't, Um, and that's just a reality. Um, The average person from a low-income community, same thing. You don't get to just say, well, you know, I have this great idea, so mom and dad, could you just spring for some extra food money for a little while and I'll just hang out in the basement? Um, That doesn't always happen for those communities. So we want to have a conversation about how do we support groups that might not naturally be able to enter the entrepreneurial space easily um, and allow them to have all the resources that they need.
2: I think I, you hit the, uh, the nail on the head. In, in our previous podcast, when we were talking about just privilege. It's looking at how do you get an entrepreneur? How do you level the playing field for those entrepreneurs? And you, you talked about, everyone talks about Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and these wildly successful entrepreneurs and it's because they came from money they were never going to fail because they had money they had a safety net if, he, if Facebook never happened Mark Zuckerberg would have been fine or he would have figured out another venture because his parents would have supported that
1: and if you ask either one of them that's what they say yeah, yeah
2: they, they had the resources to make it happen and if you look at the people that's in Silicon Valley that have started the major shops they it's a very similar profile of people that came from money or they had access to capital and so that's why that happened and so we want to figure out how do we level that playing field And even for looking at just one group of, let's say, women, there are so many stories coming out of Silicon Valley, and I'm sure that uh, Ripple's here, about women who have a, they add a a male to their team just so they feel, so they are perceived as more competent. And the data shows that having a male on your team means more capital. Whatever that guy does on your team, who cares? Mm -hmm. But just having a male, having a penis on your team means you will have access to money, whereas if it's just an all-female team, it doesn't. And so we want to figure out how do you have one, the conversation, because the awareness is important. Because I think a lot of people just don't even know that that's a, a thing. They think, well, that's preposterous. So that would be something that would uh, hinder a group of very smart women from getting money. And it's like, nope, that, that's what actually happened. So let's have that conversation. Then, two, how do we change uh, practices so that those things don't no longer occur? Or we have this groundswell of people and we hope to build a community around people saying, we just won't allow that to happen anymore. So, if you want me to be in part of your ecosystem, then you have to also give capital to Lisa. Or if you want me to be part of your ecosystem, you also have to give equal access to Latino entrepreneurs. And hopefully, we create a conversation around that.
1: Yeah, I heard a study at one point that said the people least likely to get funding, nonprofit, for profit, regardless, are highly attractive women. Because when you talk to a highly attractive woman in a business setting, the idea is, well, you know, a, a, a moderately attractive woman could be very smart and could know what she's talking about, and she's clearly worked very hard to become very smart mm-hmm. because she's not very attractive, so she can't be successful that way. Um, and the extremely attractive woman couldn't possibly be responsible enough and smart enough to run a business.
2: Right, right, right. And she's got and, there because she looks like this.
1: Right. right. And, you know, just that, the fact that that study even exists, right, right is problematic. Yeah. Um, And, you know, when we take it a step further to, um, you know, different racial groups, I mean, women, white women do not have a hard life. Let me be very clear as a white woman. um, There's a lot of privilege that comes with that. And so, you know, when you take it a step further to historically excluded groups outside of just women, um, the barriers are larger and the perspectives and, and the sort of preconceived notions are much more difficult. And I think in Phoenix, we're ready to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. We want to have that conversation. I feel like
0: we are. We're, <laughs> exactly. we're indeed having that conversation. <laughs> we
1: are indeed doing that. This is very meta, George. <laughs> um, but, but we, you know, we want to talk about that and, and then move from just talking about it, because a lot of communities talk about it. There's been all kinds of conversation on the national stage, but to building an action plan. So if we want to support women in the workforce, then we will choose these business practices that support women in the workforce.
0: Well, that's the idea of the show is moving from awareness to action. So I feel mm-hmm. like we just crossed that threshold into the action. So <laughs> so what are those practices that would support women in the workforce or whatever? I'm sure. Sorry.
1: You know, I, I think uh, we, we want to have the conversation and draw that out of the community. But just off the top of my head, um, you know, I am – getting married in two weeks, we're really seriously thinking about children because I am not a spring chicken. And so, um, and obviously because we're very excited about having children, that's a whole other thing. Um, (laughs) but you know, when I look at the number of vacation days I have or the number of sick days, um, I've worked in a number of places in the Valley. Some of them have been extremely generous and helpful. Others, not so much, right? If I'm a mom, Um, there are going to be times where I have to call in sick to work because I have a sick child, period. That's just the way it is. Does that mean that I can't be good at the job? No. But if there's a hard and fast line around, you know, you miss X number of days and bye, that's just the way it's going to be. Um, you know, another thing that I think about, and this is not about women necessarily, but just diversity in general, um, is, hiring practices. You know, when you come into a room that looks basically the same for an interview and you are the person who looks different, you are less likely to get that job. Um, That's not because people are terribly racist or sexist. It's because just for whatever reason, sociologically, we choose people who feel like us. Um, And so, you know, organizations need to sit down and be very serious about Um, you know, how they do their hiring practices. If you have someone coming in for an interview and you're not sure you can connect with them, finding someone who would connect with them to make sure that you see the business skill that they bring and not just the difference that Mm -hmm. they would bring to a team. Um, You know, there's been a ton of study on why we need diversity of mindset, of experience, of race, of gender. And, you know, what it shows is if you have a, a team that's very similar it will initially do very well. Um, it will get to a point of success pretty quickly, but it won't necessarily leap ahead in success. Whereas a diverse team is going to sputter a little bit as it gets started, and then just skyrocket in terms of its um, in terms of its productivity. So it's not just that you know we should do these things because it's nice for women or it's nice for people of different backgrounds we should do them because they're great business practices. Um, so, you know, we're really looking at having a conversation around these things and then putting together some best practices for business owners and for community members in Phoenix.
0: Got it. And I definitely agree that if it's just the same group, of the same kind of person, you're probably going to hit a ceiling, but having a a group of, of people from different backgrounds, whatever those backgrounds might be or ethnicities, whatever sex, um, it's definitely a better, better scenario. So,
2: Lisa, so can you talk a little bit about? Um, it seems like the the city of Phoenix for sure is very invested in this idea. Why do you think that this community is uniquely positioned to do this work?
1: You know, I've thought a lot about that, and you know, my my guess is a couple of things. One is that we're almost all transplants. Mm. Um, you know, this room is not necessarily indicative of that, but. I'm a transplant. Most of my friends are transplants. I'm a transplant i think. Too. Yeah, almost everybody says that. Um, so it's folks who have come in from a different experience and are willing to say like, oh, this is, huh, this is different. Like, <laughs> well, you know, since we're all transplants and we're building the city together, we get to choose what we want. Um, but, you know, I I chatted this morning um, with an attorney who is, From a different area of the country, and he's moved into Phoenix, and he's very involved in the startup landscape. And you know, he was saying when you are considering as Amazon or uh, that's a bad example, that's too soon. um, As Apple, as Google, whatever large company um, coming to Phoenix and making your home in Phoenix. When when you say to that organization. Okay, you have Phoenix, you have Austin, you have Denver, you have San Francisco, you have Seattle, maybe some East Coast places, probably not. I mean, we're the coolest. But um, they have to consider not just what the tax breaks would be, what they might want to do if there's enough space, if there's good housing. They also have to consider, is the school system awesome? Because I'm going to have to send my kid there now, right? I'm going to have to tell my vice president and my you know, other employees that they need to send their children to these schools now. Um, and also, can I find the right talent? Um, and I think we saw, after um, HB 1070, the backlash. Um, and, and I forget the number of the bill that was around um, being able to deny service based on sexuality. Right? Um, we saw a huge backlash from the community and from the national community in saying we're not going to do business here if this is how you're going to act, right? And so I think we're we're finally seeing that having these conversations, being intentional about what we're building, um, and building a really uh, diverse community is not just a good thing to do because we love each other and want we'll to create a nice community, but it's actually it makes business sense. It will improve our economy. Um, And so, you know, I think that's a piece of it. The other piece is that we have just a really generous startup community. Um, I've just been amazed at the supportive nature of the SPHX group, of all of the entrepreneurial groups in the Valley. Um, We are a place where you can come in and immediately we will take you in and say, oh, great, what resources do you need? How can we support you? And so, you know, I think this is also an offshoot of that incredible um, goodwill that Phoenicians bring and that Phoenix startup community has um, for each other.
0: Cool. So maybe what's of 35 thirty-five-year-old white guys, but at least they're they're <laughs> they're, they're, they're at least welcoming. <laughs> That's when we amazing to the
1: community. We do.
0: I kid. I kid. Okay. Excellent. Um, what what should I be asking you about uh, about your work that I'm not because I'm not bright enough?
1: Oh gosh, what should you be asking about the work? Um, I mean, you're welcome to ask how uh, folks can support Hoots Foundation. <laughs> That's yes. a good yes. Centauri yes. and I just got out of a board meeting where Excellent. we talked about fundraising goals for the year. Let's talk about um, that. No, but not aside from fundraising. You know, we are constantly looking for folks to volunteer at you startup weekends, for people to give presentations at Midweek Mind Tweak and for partners that want to be very serious about the face of entrepreneurship in Phoenix. Um, You can learn more about us at um, cahootsfdn, like foundation.org, so you can learn more about what we're doing. We're going to be posting some incredible videos of Youth Startup Weekend. We have a Facebook page where you can already see the live stream from the event, Um, and sharing stories about how our work is changing the trajectory of students' lives.
0: Awesome. Well, I know that I, <clears throat> I mentioned this on the podcast that was released today that I was just so impressed by the young man that we spoke to and then obviously you, but also to um, people that 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 were the mentors and really appreciating how important it, instilling the entrepreneurial mindset in a young person is, whether they actually go on to to launch their own company or not. Having that the ability to be a self manager, from my perspective, is is invaluable.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we're constantly amazed. the The young man you talked about is Roman Carrillo. He is nineteen. He's so cool. Uh, he is so cool. He's cooler than I'm ever gonna have yeah, a hope of being. So um, not only is he just cool in terms of like what he knows and the way he dresses, but he's also just cool in being an amazing human. Um, he went through you Startup Weekend. He worked with Daryl Kidd, who was the teacher that you interviewed on that episode. Um, and, you know, he has impressed me in so many ways. He trained our mentors this year, and he speaks with just this incredible depth of knowledge and experience about how to engage and excite a student instead of directing them, right? Um, because what we tend to do as adults is we direct kids, um, and kids actually have everything they need already inside them in most cases. Um, Roman has just grown to be a, an amazing human. And, you know, at this point, if he becomes an entrepreneur, that's great. And we will be so proud of that. But if he doesn't, that's great. And we will be so proud of that because sure. the, the mindset that he's developed and the skills that he's developed are what really shines through from his experience with our program.
2: Excellent. So Tari, what have we forgotten to talk about? I think I want to put on record that we, yeah, as a we're <laughs> gonna have a figure it out team at lip sync battle. Ooh, George and I will perform I love something. That.
1: You will. George, uh, and what are you performing? So long like as, as I get something? to
2: actually sing. Mm.
0: So everybody else can lip sync. You, you I'll can, not just
1: don't turn the volume. Yeah, on you can be sing you can we, do that. We hand you a microphone with no batteries in it. So that's great. That no problem. To be clear,
2: or... we're doing wham. Wake me up. <laughs>
1: that sounds like a great <laughs> idea. Um, yeah, we are, we are having a lip sync battle again this September. We haven't set the date officially yet, but we will be looking for performing teams. You get two minutes to lip sync hear your heart out.
0: Save the date.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think we can break. safely say the competition last year went from like fun entrepreneurs kidding with each other to like oh, people this went all out.
2: Real. It was insane. Some people yeah, were so insane. good.
1: We had a dance crew. We had the whole nine yards.
2: We have some this months to practice, George. Let's get it together. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I will absolutely do that. <laughs> I
0: will absolutely do that. Well, Lisa, this, is, this has been awesome. Um, I know that Centauri has the opportunity or the privilege of being on your board of directors. And I've been really impressed by all the work that you're doing and know that you have your work cut out for you. But it seems like you're the right person for the job. Wow. So
1: Thank you She's much. amazing. We're
0: excited. <laughs> um, thanks as always for listening. Please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Also share this with somebody who you think would also like to learn more about the CAHOOTS Foundation and the work that they're doing here. And as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real.